0: This podcast is brought to you by Jeffrey Abrams, the author of 101 Mission Statements from Top Companies. Please listen to podcast number 731, where Jeffrey and Greg speak about how to craft a great mission and vision statement. In the podcast, Jeffrey provides the listener with great tips on writing compelling and effective mission statements, ones that
1: can be lived by everyone in the organization. If you want to craft a new mission statement, you will not want to
0: miss this podcast interview with Greg and Jeffrey. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg, voice and the host of Inside Personal Growth, and joining me from San Francisco is Brian Solis. And Brian, I hope I'm pronouncing your ba- your last name correctly. Is that correct?
1: You are. You Good. are. It's Solis.
0: Okay, and he has written a really intriguing book. Uh, the design of the book, it's a Wiley book, is quite unusual. I have thousands of books that come across my desk, Brian. And I have to admit you did a great job. And I noticed in your interviews that you had your hand in it. You had to, because usually most editors um, would have a challenge with what you'd done to the book. So uh, kudos to you on that. Um, Brian, I'm going to let our listeners know a tad bit about you. Uh, Before we move further, Uh, Brian is one of the world's leading digital anthropologists and futurists who's been called one of the greatest digital analysts of our time. He's also a world-renowned keynote speaker and award-winning author of seven best-selling books, including X, The Experience When Business Meets Design, What's the Future of Business, and The End of Business as Usual. Now, life scale is a little bit of a derailment from his normal prior books, and we're going to ask him about that. He tackles the struggles of living in a world uh, rife with consistent digital distractions. Um, And his model for life scaling helps readers overcome the unforeseen consequences of living a digital life to break away from diversions, focus on what's important, spark newfound creativity, and unlock new possibilities. Um, he has a loyal online audience of over seven hundred thousand people. Uh, he works uh, and makes him sought after thought leader uh, to leaders brands such as Oprah, Shaq, and Astron Kircher, and a thousand startups around the world. Brian, it's a pleasure having you on the show. And d- let's just start it off. Give some context to the listeners that are uh, listening to the podcast. You've written, as you said, eight books prior to Life Scale. And this book is quite a departure from, you know, your prior books. Um, Can you give our listener audience a little background as to how you came about wanting to write Life Scale versus another one of your books in the series of your books?
1: I will do my best to uh, give you the (laughs) the condensed version uh, because it is literally life-changing i didn't set out to write this book. I set out to write another book, and it had been about three years since I had published x and I just couldn't get past the proposal stage and it was it It, it was a really interesting time in my life where I just was i hadn't come come to terms with everything that was happening in my life. Uh, the book was the, the the biggest priority, but at the same time I had research. You know, I was I was having challenges uh, in my family, and you know, not being able to get past that proposal stage was a big was a big. I guess use the word derailment uh, earlier, and I guess that's a, a good word for describing that moment because without without a book, you know, I speak. I speak at conferences uh, as a big part of my how I make my living and books are a big deal for that uh, and and the next book that I was trying to write was going to take my speaking what I was hoping to to the next level uh, so there's a lot of pressure uh, and when I couldn't get past that proposal stage I just kind of chalked it up as um, you know just writer's block just being pulled in too many directions maybe just dealing with too many things you know across professional and personal life and yeah, I, it, but it, I just couldn't get past it. And then I started to notice patterns in, the, in, in other work that I was doing. And it just, it just wasn't up to the caliber or level or, or even the performance that I had had uh, in years prior. And I just realized that I needed to, to focus. I needed to reflect uh, on, you know, what was going on, see if I could get to the bottom of it. And that was a can of worms. Greg, I'll tell you that it, it turned out that I realized somewhere along the way that my work was degrading uh but also so was my happiness and spending a year trying to explore the reasons behind that sort of unearthed a lot of things of course but one of which was huge which was the effect of living a digital life Uh, and doing research having act being in silicon valley having access to a lot of friends who have launched a lot of these networks and created a lot of these devices uh, i learned a lot about their effects on us and that led to a journey of better understanding how and why we use the devices the way we do today why we can't put them down why we reach for them when we don't need anything (laughs) why we overshare why we consume more than we create and i still after all that research had to write that book and I realized that there was nothing out there that was going to help me break the effects of all of these distractions, other than the traditional things that you hear about, like getting a a life coach, uh, maybe going to Burning Man, practicing meditation, getting the Calm app, you know, uh, practicing focus and meditation techniques, uh, you know, so all of those things helped, but they didn't they didn't solve the problem. They were sort of just contending with the the symptoms. And that's when I realized that the only way around this for me to get to where I needed to go was to do the research and do the work to rebuild what I thought was rebuilding that discipline, that focus, working on me, uh, creating these, these, these programs that I was gonna follow that would get me back on track. And then that ultimately led to me calling my publisher and saying, you know what, I can't be alone in this. There's gotta be something here that if I could turn it into a, a book, if I could turn it into a journey, if I could turn this into an experience, and if I could help other people like me, then this I think should be my next book. And that's, that's the um, long story short for Lifescale.
0: Well, and the book is excellent at taking a different perspective from where you've come. And many of my listeners know in prior podcasts, I mean, I had Adam Ghazali on here, The Distracted Mind, Ancient Brains in a High-Tech World. Um, We've had many interviews that focus on this issue. And I think um, that for you, because of everything that was going on, based on what you've just said, sounds like it was a spiritual dive as well. And I think that's when people make a bit of a crossover. And, you know, it it almost has to come to that um, because of the obsession. And you obviously have studied trends and focused on, you know, the effects of technologies had on our society. And you refer to uh, it as the path of distraction. Uh, how, in your estimation, did we get here? And what effects if you want to just articulate a few of them uh, do you believe this is having on society and then i'll add a third point to that Um, where do you think it's going
1: let me start with the last part Uh, as is it's not going to a good place and we see it in all aspects of our life right so it's things like multitasking busy constant stress and anxiety trying to keep up with all of these things and yet there's more devices more networks more apps and trying to do all of these things but at the same time uh, we're seeing it in politics we're seeing the polarization of networks and relationships we're seeing sort of the the, the spreading the false information because everybody's moving so quickly we're, we're seeing uh, the the lack of empathy uh, and then the sort of the dwindling of, of empathy uh, where you see it from everything from cause fatigue to sort of celebrating being on top of the trends, as we saw with, um, you know, the ice bucket challenge to, uh, you know, Drake, the Drake challenge, to all of these things that are just happening. And, uh, you know, if you see a, a horrible life event, uh, we, 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 we feel for it. And then we move on quickly. Uh, and then worse is sort of what is, what's happening to our health and wellness. Uh because this none of this is sustainable. Uh it's increasing the you know the, the speed of our brains and our bodies. It's thinning out our, our 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 gray matter in our brains. It's uh you know the list is, is super long. Uh it's affecting our creativity, our happiness, uh, our long term potential. Uh and the without you know, focusing on all the bad things one of one of the reasons why I felt like this was an opportunity, not just to fix my life, but to actually share this journey with everybody else, was because I thought when I went into this journey, it was about getting back to where I was. And then I realized, actually, if our brains and bodies are changing because of our relationship with technology, and I'll and I'll get to that in in a, in a second. What if what if we could use how our bodies are changing productively. Once we know what we know, how can we steer everything to not just get back to where we were, but to put ourselves in a better hybrid place for the future intentionally. And to keep doing that as technology continues to evolve and as we continue to evolve intentionally. Because what I had learned is that, and we'll give give the networks and the devices the benefit of the doubt here which was I don't think that they intentionally knew that the long-term effects were going to be this dramatic and dark. But what they did do was by design, make them as addictive as they are. It's called persuasive design. There's even a program taught at Stanford University about it. Uh, Our favorite folks and founders have gone through that program. Uh, Let's just say some of the apps that resulted from that include Snapchat and Instagram, but more so, the techniques that they use, everything from intermittent variable rewards to full-on behavior change, uh, are how they monetize our attention. So the more of our attention they have, the more of it they can monetize. And if you feel the constant need to reach for that device and be on these networks and apps, and the constant need to share and like and be like, then they've got you. what I don't think they they did and what's starting to really come out now is – what that does to you in the short term and the long term. And I've since done many, many, many uh, deep research projects outside of the book to better understand the effects of all of this stuff on humanity, on self-esteem, on self-awareness, on self-care. And it's, it's, it's incredibly dire. Uh, to put it that way, but that's not what this book is about, right? That's I'm sure well, this, a million, a million books are coming out like that.
0: This one, this, this one's is about getting. This one is about helping people to uh, break their addiction and at least look at life differently. And I'd say more from a perspective. And you know, we had Doctor uh, Rao on here many times, and you had um, uh, some epiphany uh, that you learned from uh, Sikamar's work that shifted your perspective about happiness and obviously him coming from an Eastern culture and bringing that uh, philosophy around happiness to the world. What'd you learn from him on this reorientation chapter? Because really you are, I would say, attempting to get people to reorient themselves.
1: Yeah. You'll notice that every chapter is actually a stage of a journey. And before I before I kind of get into Dr. Rao's work and how he he inspired some of some of my my work, I, you'll notice that at the beginning of the book there's a, there's a journey that's visualized, and then the book itself is actually the the articulation of that journey that we're going on together, and how this journey was assembled was from doing basically. And ground level, every single day research to, to help me. One of the original drafts of the book, I think the first words were, we got cut out, were, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, you know, if you feel like this and I feel like this and this is the problem, I don't have the answer. But as you turn the page, you will have, you will benefit from all of the research that I'm going to do that put me on the right track. And it will not include all of the things that just didn't work or help me get to the next level or help any of this say sustainable and I kind of went into all of this with this 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 level of skepticism, you know because I wasn't sure what <laughs> what the problem was, and also what then therefore what the solution was going to be until I started to go through this. And of course, things like when when you're researching the things that you don't know, and then you start to uncover exactly what the problems are, and you can focus on where you need to go. Dr. Rao's work really came into play when I realized that happiness was a really big part of this, uh, that I realized along the way that Part of the problem was, and one of the reasons why we allowed ourselves to become so enamored and so intoxicated by all of these technologies is because they sort of made us all into like mini movie stars and mini rock stars. Suddenly we had these audiences. Suddenly we had all this attention and all this validation. We wanted to feed more and more and more off of it. And it was because I was living life based on the wrong standards of life uh, and that, I was living life based on the standards that had been passed down from generation to generation to generation, and yet we are the first generation, regardless of age, five simultaneously simultaneous generations living today that had to contend with this digital empowerment, you know, we won't even use the word distraction yet, that we had access to this stuff, and it was transformative. And what it did was expose us to new ideologies, new types of people, new experiences, new sensations. Uh, and we were trying to live them based on these standards of life that weren't actually holding up and scaling to this, this new potential. So happiness and, and also success, as Dr. Al likes to talk about as well, uh, could be redefined for a modern genre. And that's where his work really came in, was understanding that if we weren't going to look at all of the potential for what we have access to and also where we're holding ourselves back, then we weren't ever going to be truly happy, which would then prevent us from being truly successful, because happiness is something that was inside of us all along. We just didn't know how to appreciate it because we were holding ourselves to these false gods, to these false standards. And the devices then were actually making those standards worse and actually creating greater angst, greater anxiety, greater, greater self doubt and lower self esteem issues and what have you. Uh, and then to, to cope with that, we would actually just go further down the hole. And his work really was really transformative. And I was skeptical when I stumbled across his work initially uh, and was transformed afterward.
0: Well, you know, I know it's going to sound relatively simple, but it is kind of simple. I'm a devotee of self-realization fellowship and it's a choice uh, that we make happiness. Um, You know, you can choose in the morning to wake up and put a smile on your face or you can choose the opposite of that. And I know it sounds just so simplistic, but the reality is the way the brain, the neural um, pathways are wired uh, can be rewired. And I know you've spent lots of time uh, studying this and you're, you're also believe in a hugely creative because I, I know you're super creative, but to get back in touch with that creativity, I think is a really key element because that sparks something with inside of everybody. Um, so you believe in developing creative talents. Why should our listeners be more creative? And what are the factors that usually hold us back or that we're stuck? Um, I find with this digital world, which has us on all the time, you know, we can't even use a lot of us critical thinking skills. We can't even put together that creative spirit anymore because we're so obsessed with, you know, the next email or the this or the that or whatever. So how do you uh, propose people break uh, that current habit?
1: You know, you bring up a really good point. Uh, Happiness and creativity are interlinked. And I found in my research that creativity even, and I talk about it as big C and little C creativity because I wanted people to realize that we all don't have to be Leonardo da Vinci. Uh, And one of the things that you picked up on at the beginning was the design of the book. Once I finished writing the book, I was so creatively alive. I was so electric that I I went back and had the book designed using the same types of persuasive design techniques that go into apps, but instead of them being negative, that they were actually going to be positive and that they were going to help rewire your brain to get more creative, to get deeper, to get a little bit more critical in our thinking uh, and to stoke imagination. And so uh, the, the, the physical manifestation of the book is actually me showing the, the link between happiness and creativity to, to, to express yourself. And, The the little c creativity is how I was able to get there, which was these little expressions, these little exercises of constantly challenging myself to do things differently, regardless of the quality of that output. It was just the creative expression that was actually helping my brain accelerate in the rewiring while also Feeling really, really good along the way, uh, and opening my eyes to new types of things that I wasn't seeing before, and allowing that to sink in and and touch me in ways that were going to then allow me to figure out what that life purpose, what that mission, what that vision should be. And you know, kind of coming back to Dr. Dr. Rao, you know, there was a, I remember there was a talk he gave, and he talked about that the real the real path. To happiness and success was living with living in accord with our authentic values um, and having a clear and strong sense of purpose what I had realized is that my my purpose was completely influenced by everything that I saw on that little screen in in and everything in every app I ever went into that it had moved my center of reference beyond where I thought it had had been, and so I was making decisions about my life and basing my happiness on all of these things that had somehow become the new normal, and that that's dangerous. That's where we all were pushed without realizing it. You know, one of my challenges was how do you sell a book about overcoming digital distractions if you don't actually know or even think that you're digitally distracted because it had never occurred to me, uh, and. When you talked earlier about the sort of spiritual sense of the book, that's exactly that's exactly where I had to get. Uh, I, you know, I I wouldn't say that I was a spiritual person uh, before this whole experience, but if you look at any fight of addiction, uh, whether it's substance or what have you, most treatments include some sense of spirituality, however you want to define that, whether it's something divine or whether it's something simply just bigger than you that need helps pull you into a direction and sort of give you the strength and and sort of motivation that you need to move beyond where you had held yourself back previously that all of this was all, all of this was something i didn't understand but also was completely shocked to find that one there's a lot of people talking about the problem, but two, there's not a lot of real, real solutions out there. And life scale, I wouldn't say is the solution. It is one of the solutions. But I'll be honest with you, Greg, I, I travel with this book everywhere I go and I continue to read it because there's always a new distraction. There's always something that's going to challenge my core and I have to continually remind myself what that core is and also as I learn and grow and also unlearn. I see new things and that path continues to grow and flourish.
0: Well, I think the the good side of the digital world is that it's opened our eyes to massive amounts of information. The key is, is how you consume it. Um, you know, can you put it away, a transit, you know, put it in the transit box. But what I was going to talk about here was, and I know in your chapter on liberate, You speak about our definition of success and how it's really, in most cases, become distorted. The way it becomes distorted is how worthy people feel. So when you start to make comparisons, you know, I was listening to a news report about people comparing themselves to people on social media because somebody posts a great picture. They look good or they're doing something or they're on LinkedIn or whatever it is. And you're not feeling enough, you know. Um, which I believe really has been programmed in as a result of, and I'm not even going to just say Western society, but Western society in particular has been driven about this definition of success being monetary. Uh, How much money have you earned? Uh, And so we're going to measure you on that scale. And so to liberate yourself from that feeling of unworthiness or not enoughness, what, happened with inside of you? And also what would you s- tell our listeners who maybe are listening to this and they're maybe hearing my words, but they're not, they're still saying, okay, well, my definition of success is, you know, my monetary, because that's what my parents sent me to school to do. So I could be a doctor or a programmer or whatever. Um, how do they get off of that vicious uh, insidious circle?
1: The only reason that I realized that there was a problem is because I had a, a, a pretty a pretty dark series of events happen in my world and I, I had to I had to I had to make a choice. I could let it consume me uh, or I could do something about it. And I I don't want anybody to have to hit a wall or to suffer a loss in order to realize that maybe their standards of success and happiness needed to change. Uh the thing about The thing about all of this is that we feel in those moments that we use our devices and that we're holding ourselves to the standards of other other people. We feel both this turmoil, like something's off and something's wrong, but also these senses of wonderment and validation and even that we matter. In these moments because that's what those moments are designed to do Uh, as you as you as you saw in in the book you know every time you look at 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 your device it's designed to release you know up to six different simultaneous chemicals that are all meant to make you feel good just like actually a drug and that's that's I guess one of the that's one of the challenges that we have to contend with but over over time your body craves that more and more and more and more so, I think what I want to appeal to is someone listening, and appeal to that those moments where you 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 actually feel like something's off. You feel like in between those moments that you, in between those those actions to reach for your device or share or talk or or, or seek a like or engagement. In between those moments, when you're Before you feel that need to do that, that's exactly where we have to start working on ourselves. Like, why do I have to reach for that device? Why can't I just matter right now? Why can't I just look at my life and just say, you know what? I am not actually living my life, even though I keep saying I'm living my best life. Why can't I just take the time to answer what it is that is going to be my best life? And that's the part about, in the book, I'm sure, I'm sure you saw it, about self-awareness, where yeah. we, when we even start asking those questions, we're actually not even getting to the heart of self-awareness. But I know we all feel it. I know that we feel in those moments that something's off. And that's, that's that area I want to appeal to. So once you start exploring that, that's where the personal journey can truly begin, because there is something there. That's, your, that's that special part of you telling you, hey. Take a minute.
0: Let's look at this. I think take a minute, like you say, in silence and pause. And I think the app developers, as you mentioned earlier, you know, it's awareness, it's action, it's activity, and then it's adoption. So every one of them, you know, that's my little acronym for it is, you know, they're trying to create awareness with the application. So make awareness in your own mind, right? Mm -hmm. Pause before you push the button. Pause before you send that email. Um, Pause when you write an email, any of those kind of things. Um, You know, would it be better just to pick up the phone and give someone a call? You are a real advocate of having defined purpose. And I know we're coming toward the end of this podcast, and I want to make this the last question for you. What are some of the life purpose questions that you'd have our listeners ask themselves to help them define their own purpose? Because Purpose is, you know, I used to teach a course in this, and I would see people work on their purpose. We'd work on it for a full day to really define the purpose and get the right words and put it all together. But you, you had four questions in the book that I thought were really very well articulated and very well done. And I think people can get to their purpose a lot quicker than the way I used to teach it. But um, will you give them the questions?
1: Well, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. I am in the book, in that section, looking for where I put those questions exactly, because those questions were incredibly specific.
0: They Um, were. They were. And so I think they are. Let me find them, because I didn't put a page number. But for my listeners, I'm going to encourage you to get this book and go to that section on purpose. Because what Brian has created is four questions, and he and I are both trying to find the questions at this point, um, and and actually answer those questions. Because you know we're all looking to find our purpose, and once you do, and you create that guiding star, um, that really is a defining part, and it's on page Brian, one ninety. 190. And they are What was I most passionate about as a child or young adult? What do I dream of becoming now? What do I feel I'm missing in my life today? Be honest with yourself. Ask why you really want to change. What are the reasons you feel this change is positive for you? And what are the habits you do every day? that are preventing you from making the change you want to make. I believe those life person's questions in chapter 11 on page one ninety are a good place for somebody to start. Um, I used to teach a course called the on purpose person and I would say those are as good as any of them and a way for somebody to get started.
1: Yeah. And, and for those who actually do decide to go through this, um, it continues to 192, and there's 10 questions, and what you see is to help, to help you kind of be a little bit more honest and real. I, too, uh, didn't want you to go through this alone. I, I share my answers with you. Uh, everything in this book is actually the result of me also going through this journey, uh, and that's how everything got stitched together, is that these were the things that actually got me to move in a really positive direction, to be greater than I was even before going, before I even had a problem. Uh, and purpose and values and vision are all of the types of exercises we go through together with a new uh, with a new mindset so before you even get to these exercises your mind is already shifted from where we were to a new positive and and and, and a new positive place where the promise and potential is yours to shape and you're in a place to do that and you know uh, what what I'll leave you with here, Greg, is that the purpose, the values, my vision that I share, even my personal stuff, to help to help readers kind of to see that this isn't just some some guy who put together some questions. It's, it's someone who also went through this. You'll see that my answers are incredibly vulnerable, and the honest the honest answer here is that uh, I'm still working on all these things. You know, especially the parts with my marriage and my family. But because that they became part of what I call the pillars of my purpose, I was able and am still able to build on that foundation in ways that are allowing me to still grow as I'm working on these things.
0: Well, you know, Brian, you've done a really good job. I, I'm i just going to uh, comment on this. I get, like I said, I probably have 1500 books in my library that have been sent to me on personal growth, mastery, wellness, spirituality. And this book, for anybody seeking to break free from distractions and unlock possibilities and, as you said, spark creativity and create greater focus, it's great. It's an easy read. Um, It's got um, activities that you can do. It's got reminders in it. Um, It's probably one of the most well-laid-out books. I didn't know what to expect when you sent it, to be honest with you. And then when I got it, to my surprise, Um, and it, it was awesome and it's a Wiley book and Wiley has, uh, done many books and they're really getting quite creative now. Um, so I want to just thank you for being on the show. Thank you for sharing your insights with our listeners and your journey. Um, and the book will be up on our blog. It's life scale, how to live a more creative, productive, and happy life. Uh, and it's by Brian Solis. And Brian's been on with us. And we'll put a link to um, Amazon so that you can pick the book up. There'll be a link to Brian's website as well. There's a lot of additional information you can get there from Brian. You can also go check him out on YouTube. Plenty of videos. Brian, thanks for being on. It's been an honor having you on Inside Personal Growth, spending a little bit of your time with us, um, giving people some new directions in their personal life as to how to uh, get unhooked from uh, media and devices and live a more fulfilling, balanced, and spiritual life. Thanks so much.
1: Thank you, Greg. Yeah, I actually feel really integrated after this conversation, so thank you.
0: You're quite welcome. Namaste.